did a tremendous job tonight, and you'll have to forgive me, I, I just, it just seems like every time uh, we're around most of these guys from Lighthouse, we're always competing. So I felt like we were like in competition for singing, like at Pilots or something, And uh, but no, it was, that was good, and that's a blessing. I'm excited about what the Lord's doing here at uh, Liberty Baptist Church, and uh, praise the Lord, you know, we, we support... Uh, the church, uh, Brother McMurtry, and excited to hear, you know, we get the letters and hear what's going on, and, and uh, it's neat to see, showed me around the new carpet and all the things you guys have done, and that's exciting. And uh, don't lose sight of that, That just keep moving forward. I, uh, you know, I, it, it brings a lot of memories back from, from when we started at uh, Twin Pines, not Toilet Paper Baptist Church. <laughs> And uh, but uh, uh, we'll be it almost it'll be almost ten years it'll be ten years in May uh, that we've been there and when we started this reminds me does it not remind you a lot of uh, of when we started we had about thirty people when we started maybe thirty five and then that grew to twenty nine 
rather quickly, if you know what I mean, how that goes. And uh, and there were, uh, you know, of course then it, it grew from there little by little. But uh, there were some Wednesday nights that it was just my family and I. And uh, so what do you do when it's just your family? You sit them down and preach at them. That's what I did. And they needed it. I'm telling you that right now. But uh, no, we had, we, God's been good. And uh, I mean that. And so it's exciting. I just remember this just seems like just yesterday. And uh, to see what the Lord's doing here. And, and uh, met a few of the church folks, uh, church members here. And it's a blessing. And uh, it's exciting. Exciting to see you here, and, and uh, like I said, it just seems like just the other day we were in that same position. And uh, when we took the church there, the church was actually in a conference and called the North American Baptist Conference. We had some issues with uh, the North American Baptist Conference was going a total different direction than, than we wanted to go. And, and because I took the church and not a guy from the conference, there were some conflicts right away. <clears throat> and uh, to make a long story short, they were threatening to, to kick the church off of the property because the conference actually owned the property. And so that was the first month I got there. How exciting. Welcome, Pastor. Get off of the property, you know. And, and uh, But anyway, uh, to make a long story short, when we first started, there's no way we could have afforded it, but God worked it out. A few years later, we were able to purchase that property. And uh, so then we we bought that, and and it was a building you know similar to this, just an older building, and and uh, you know uh, it just it is what it is, you know, and you use it, and God uses it, and it's great, you know, and uh, praise the Lord for it. We we did have five acres of property, which was kind of nice. That was a blessing, and and then the parsonage right next door to the the church there. And which is good sometimes, except for when people walk in and say, Preacher, you forgot to turn the lights off in your house over there, that type of thing. But everything else is good. And uh, no, it was, it was good. And, and then um, finally we were able to purchase that property. We paid it off. And um, we had, uh, when we bought the property, we made an agreement with the conference that we wouldn't sell it within five years. I think they were afraid we would just sell the property and take the money and you know, do something with it. But uh, So we were there, I don't know, five, maybe six, maybe even seven years after that. Uh, and then we ended up, uh, well, we were going to build on that property. Our church was growing uh, full almost every Sunday, and, and um, which was great. Praise the Lord. We were running out of space. Uh, and, you know, I've heard people say oh, it's a good problem to have, but yet it's still a problem at times. And so, um, you know, we were looking into building. We kind of drug our feet on it. We were looking into, you know, building those types of things. And, uh, and we never ended up building. And then this past year, uh, there was a building that came up for sale. And it was, at one time, it was a Baptist church. Uh, and most recently, it was a Bible church. They had changed the name from Faith Baptist Church to Faith Bible Church. And they had actually bought um, a, a building larger than theirs. Um, the one they bought was 53,000 square feet. The one they were in that we ended up buying was 26,000 some square feet. And uh, so uh, it was, now the one we were in was probably about 10,000 square feet. So it was almost three times the size. And so we ended up selling our property uh, that, uh, that I talked about and we bought that other church for, uh, well, $1 million, and it's kind of scary to think about that. And then we also bought two houses right there with the church, and that we have 
assistant pastor, most of you know Austin and Rachel and uh, Marriott, and so he lives in one. And then we just hired a fella, runs our school and some music and things like does music and things like that. And and he lives in the other house. We still live in the same house we lived before. The church that is there now is called New New Life Church of God in Christ, I think it is. And on Friday nights, I'll hear the drums going, and they're you know this kind of thing and so I'm kind of like oh boy but anyway the Lord has really blessed though um, we uh, we were running about 150 you know and that was about our max there in that other building and since we moved which was in June um, we're now running about 175 consistently we just had well this summer we had some exciting things take place um, we had a team thing and, and by the way I, I kind of kid about the competition but isn't it wonderful to be able to be here together and, and uh, you know uh, having the same you know the music was like man I felt real right at home you know and and uh, it was it was neat to hear that and uh, we also had an exciting summer one of the things that we had this year was, was the teens our teenagers got together and we've been doing some things where uh, we do a, like a vacation Bible school in the summer and then uh, the next summer we'll do a teen week and, and kind of a you know a whole week of you know right, reaching teenagers. And so we were flip flopping those. And uh, last summer happened to be it was the year for vacation Bible school. And then some teenage boys uh, from our church and Grace Baptist Church, Brother Ballard's church, which is only about 15 minutes from us, 20 minutes from us. Um, they got together. They were just excited about some things the Lord was doing. And so they got together and they asked if they could do a teen week. And I told them, I, first I said, no, you know, we're not doing a teen week this year. You know, it just, you just get so busy sometimes. And so we said, we're not going to do a teen week this year. They said, well, we'd really like to. So I prayed about it, came back to them. I said, listen, if you guys are going to do this, you're going to have to do everything. You're going to have to raise the money, all that stuff. And uh, so they did. They raised, uh, I don't know how many, a couple, Two, three thousand dollars, I think, and and uh, they put this week on. During that week, uh, and again, both churches. It ended up being at our property, uh, but it was Grace Baptist and our church together. And we had that. If you count the whole week, seventy-five people saved that week, uh, adults and teenagers. And it was great to be able to work together and see what the Lord would do. And and He did some exciting things. We had Vacation Bible School. Had several saved that week. And then, um, just last Sunday, uh, we had a big Sunday. We had uh, Brother Kevin Walker and his family, uh, the cowboy uh, rodeo and all those things that they do, cowboy carnival, and uh, had a great time with that. And we broke our all-time high attendance, and the old building was 256. Uh, and now, we, we uh, last Sunday, we had 283. We had 20-plus saved. And I coached a sixth grade football team. Several of those boys came and some of them got saved. Even some of the parents or so on, they got saved. It was an exciting day. And uh, I don't say that to brag on us. It's not us. I know it's the Lord that did it. But I say that to encourage you because uh, we were right here. I promise you. We were right here just not long ago. And uh, and the Lord just began to bless. And, and, and someone asked me one time, you know, what did you do? I mean, what did you do? I said, well, just did everything I was taught to do. Went soul winning, preached the word of God, you know, just everything you're taught to do and just love people like the Bible says to do and, and just God began to bless. And, uh, you know, so I see that. Uh, Brother McMurtry, I'm happy for you, excited for you and I can see that happening. And, uh, you just stick with it 
and uh, the Lord will bless, and, and it's exciting to see. So praise the Lord for that. And it's really a, a privilege to be able to be here tonight, and uh, I really do appreciate the opportunity, and uh, praise the Lord for it. Uh, if you'll have your, you've got your Bibles there, turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew and chapter number 12. And I'm just going to read one verse, and we will get right into the message tonight. Matthew chapter 12. Verse number 32 is where we're going to look. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 32. You know, it's exciting to be together. You know, there's a lot of like-minded churches just like this. And uh, they're all over. I, I uh, took a trip. Our oldest son is now in college. He went off to Golden State Baptist College. And so uh, he had a car, so we, what we ended up doing is driving his car. My wife and I drove out there with him. The whole trip was about 30 hours driving, just driving. Uh, and uh, we stopped a couple times, and you know, we, it took us almost three days to do it, but we did it. And, uh, and so, but on the way, there, were, uh, there was a church in, um, was it Carson City? Carson City. Uh, Nevada that we stopped at. Never heard of the church. Just looked like a good church. We went in, and I'll tell you what, felt right at home. I mean, the preaching was just, you know, singing everything just like, you know, you were hearing tonight. And, and uh, so that was exciting. Then we went to a church in Maryville, I think it was Maryville, California, and just a little bitty town, a church out in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing around this church except for uh, some... I don't know, a vineyard or something like that. There wasn't much out there. And, and we went to that church. Man, just felt right at home again. The preacher got up to preach. I was like, man, this is exactly what I'm used to. And I say that again to encourage it. There are churches like this all over. And so don't think hey, we're the only ones around here, you know, that kind of thing. And sometimes you get the feeling that way. But no, they're, they're, all, they're all over. God's working. And it's funny how some people are down in the mouth and, you know, man, you know, things aren't going well. Churches aren't growing. Churches like ours are dying. They're a dying breed. And you, you hear all that. And I suppose there's some of that. But I'll tell you, there's some places where I know God's working too. Amen. Folks are being saved. Lives are being changed. People are being baptized. This past Sunday when we had that big Sunday, I laughed because we had a lady that got saved. She came Wednesday night. Young lady, 20, early 20s? 22. And her name was Chelsea. She came on Wednesday night. She was uh, one of our ladies' co-worker and I invited her to come. She'd been coming several weeks. You could see her just conviction on her face, but she never did get saved. So finally, last Wednesday... Um, they met with my wife, uh, the friend and so on, and they, they met with my wife. I don't know, they were in there an hour, at least an hour, and uh, she finally ended up trusting Christ as Savior. And so they talked about uh, baptizing, and, and so she said, all right, I'll get baptized Sunday. So we had it already, got the baptistry already, you know. Uh, we emptied it, cleaned it up, filled it up, you know, just to make sure, and, and sure enough, the heater broke. <laughs> So I go in Sunday morning just to check it, and it's freezing. I mean, it's freezing cold. And so anyway, I, she, I watched her come in. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to tell her, you know. And I was kind of dreading it because she was all excited. And so I went to her. I said, Chelsea, listen, I hate to tell you this, but the heater broke in the baptistry. The water is cold. And, uh, you know, if, maybe we can just do it another time. I kind of suggested to her. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to get in there. It was cold. And anyway, but, uh, but, uh, it happened a few times in the other church and I did it and it was, it was cold. But anyway, so she said, well, you know, she said, you know, I'm all ready and, and, uh, I get kind of nervous and she said, I just, I've prepared myself. I'd really like to do it. 
And so anyway, we go ahead and, and she, I said, all right, well, if you want to, we'll go ahead and do it. So we do. We get, get her ready for baptism, her and her friend. Uh, and then I, I kind of met with them in the back and prayed uh, with her. And before she prayed, before we prayed, she said, you know, the last time I was in front of 20 or more people, I fainted. So I'm like, oh, great. I said, well, don't do that now, you know. And, and I said, I don't want to have to catch it. And so anyway, I said, it'll be all right. And I told her what she'd have to do, just basically nod your head. Yes, I've been saved, you know, and I'm sure you know you're familiar with it. And, and so anyway, then I prayed with her. And uh, so we went up into the baptistry, and sure enough, it was freezing cold. I mean, we're shivering, both of us shivering. And uh, and then I happened to talk longer for some reason. Uh, we had a lot of visitors, so I wanted to explain baptism wasn't salvation, all that. Uh, but anyway, so I go to baptize her, and she slips. And I ended up having to catch her anyway. Anyway, it was it was a blessing just being able to see her dedication. And that's what I'm saying, folks. It it, it God's still working. Folks are still being saved. Lives are still being changed. Just doing it like the book says to do it. I'm sure just like your preacher's doing it here. And uh, it's great to know that this place is here. And so I'm I'm sure you're glad. You church members and folks are glad it's here as well. So let's look at this verse now. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 32. The Bible says, And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. Neither in this world, neither in the world to come. That's a very interesting verse right there. And uh, so anyway, we're going to preach uh, this message entitled, How to Treat... The Holy Spirit, how to treat the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you, uh, Lord, for the privilege to be here at Liberty Baptist Church in in Rock Falls, Illinois. And uh, Lord, my mind went back as my wife and I on the way here. There was a time we had talked about possibly starting a church in Sterling Rock Falls several years ago before we took the church there at Twin Pines. And and, uh, Lord, it's just exciting to see uh, Brother McMurtry and what you're doing with him and his family here and uh, Lord, uh, what a blessing, a great family, and I'm so thankful for their obedience to you and, and uh, their trust and faith in the Word of God. I pray that you bless them as they serve you here. Bless Liberty Baptist Church and the folks, the members of this church, and I pray that they would see many of their uh, loved ones and co-workers and friends trust Christ as Savior right here. And I pray you do a great work just like you've done in so many other places. And I pray your blessings be upon us. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd meet with us tonight in a special way. Uh, Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, as I preach, I yield myself to you. And uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, what is said tonight would be a blessing and a help to those that are here. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. How to treat the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus left the earth, um, and I was just, I'd just been preaching some messages on this, uh, he promised to send, as the Bible says, a comforter. The Comforter. The Bible says in John chapter 14, 16 to 18, it says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Then it says in verse 17, Even the Spirit of Truth. And so that's who the Comforter is. The Spirit of Truth. And that's a capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit. And so it explains who that Comforter is. The Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of Truth. It says, Whom the world cannot receive... Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you, ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. And it says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come unto you. So it tells us about the Holy Spirit that he's going to come. I'm going to leave, Jesus said. 
Of course, he was telling the disciples this, and he's telling them, I'm going to leave. He was talking about his death, burial, resurrection, and then going to heaven. And uh, But he said, if I go, I'm going to send you a comforter. That comforter is the Holy Spirit of God. And he said about this comforter, he said that he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. That's what he says about the Holy Spirit of God. John 14.26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Again, Jesus is speaking and he says to the disciples, I am going to send you this Comforter after I'm gone. Of course, the disciples had no clue. I'm not going to go into that, but they had no clue what Jesus was talking about at that point. They didn't know, they didn't quite understand about the death and burial and resurrection. But that's a whole other message. But he said here, this comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, who explains who it is, uh, he says, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So I know that we can apply that. Obviously, he was talking to the disciples. And he said to the disciples, you know, all these things that I've taught you, the Holy Spirit's going to help you to remember so you can teach others. But you know, I believe we can apply some of that to, to you and I today. And there's things that the Holy Ghost will teach us today that the Lord wants us to know and understand. John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, the Bible says, But when the Comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, again, he explains who that is, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the one speaking. It says, he, the Holy Spirit, shall testify of me, it says there. In verse 27, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been, uh, been with me from the beginning. John 16 and verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And again, you have to take into account, he's telling the disciples, and, and you think about what he says. He says it's, it, it is expedient, it's, it's good, it's beneficial for you, Jesus said to the disciples, that I go away. And I can just imagine them shaking their heads saying, I don't see how that's going to be beneficial to me at that point. And, you know, one thing that I got out of that, and I think, again, we can make application to, to, to you and I today, is if it was true that it was beneficial for Jesus, who was in the flesh, taught the disciples right there, walked with them, talked with them, taught them face to face, and He tells them, it's beneficial for you that I go away and send the comfort of the Holy Spirit to you. I look at it this way. What we have today is even better than when Jesus stood with the disciples. If I understand what that passage is saying. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God, when we trust Christ our Savior, literally dwells inside of us. It's like having Jesus in us all the time. Instead of just, you know, because when Jesus was there on the face of this earth, there were times where the disciples weren't with Him, and they didn't know what to do, so they had to go run and find Jesus and say, what do we do? Remember when the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000 took place, and, and the, 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 all those people were there, they went to Jesus and said, we're going to have to send these people home. They had to go to Jesus, find out, what do we do? Jesus said, have the men sit down. Find somebody with a lunch. Find something, anything you can find. Jesus had to give them all those instructions. Well, you know what? Now you and I have the Holy Spirit of God that gives us those instructions. Right, right inside of us. And I don't know about you, but to me that's exciting. And so I, I, I'm excited about that. But the message is this, how to treat the Holy Spirit. 
that comforter that lives inside of us. And now, according to these verses, the Comforter, again, is the Holy Ghost. He's the third member of the Trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And uh, when we talk about a person getting saved or receiving Christ as their Savior, uh, like I said, we, we often talk about asking Jesus into our heart. That's a term we use or a phrase we use often. We ask Jesus into our heart. But really, in actuality, it's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Okay, The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, which means make alive your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. The Bible says His Spirit dwelleth in you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 and 17, Know ye not? Listen to what it says here. Know ye not? A question. That ye are the temple of God? Do you, I mean, I know we, we read that a lot. We, we even preach that. But do you really, have you stopped and thought about what that means right there? That you are literally the temple of God? We think about, of course, we think about the church building. And, and you know, we don't want, we want to make sure we don't sin in the church building. Do those types of things. I had a fella come to me the other day. And our, our building is, is pretty large now. We can see... 350 in our auditorium, we have a gymnasium, uh, all kinds of classrooms, things we've never had before. It's amazing. It's exciting to see what the Lord's doing. We're getting ready to start all kinds of new Sunday school classes because we have to actually have the space to do it now. And it's exciting. But a fellow came to me and said, listen, I'm doing a baseball camp this summer. I was wondering if we could use your building to show a movie. I said, well, what movie? You know, what are you talking about? He said, well, it's called The Last Season. I don't know if you ever heard of that movie, but it's actually a, a movie that took place, the, the story took place in uh, uh, New something. You remember the name of the place? It's not too far from where we are. It was a little town that had a really great baseball program, and they were going to have to shut it down because of financial reasons. So this was the last season before they were going to shut it down. And uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, they were, you know, the whole movie is about that story. To make a long story short, this team ends up winning. I have never saw the movie, I just know the story. Uh, the team ends up winning the championship that year, the last season that we had the program. And, uh, and so anyway, I said to him, I said, okay, that, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll look into it because I said if there's any curse words in it, I won't let you show it. You know, and, and so anyway, um, Found out there were some curse words in it, so I told him no the other day. Uh, but I mean, it's just amazing to see. But we think, you know, and I and I say that because you know we don't want those types of things in the church, and we want to be careful about that. You know, that's the that's the church. You know, that's the that's the that's where God. You know, we we have this feeling that's where God lives. That's where God. That's where we meet with God and all those. Things. But listen to me, really. Where does God live? Right here. You are the temple. So if you don't want to mess up the church with sin, guess what you shouldn't do with your life? You shouldn't get your life all messed up in sin. shouldn't allow that in your... And we'll talk about that, but, but it's just amazing to think, ye are the, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Don't you know? It's almost like a given. You, you should know this. And that says, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. 2 Timothy 1.14 That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost listen, which dwelleth in us. I'm just trying to point out these verses that talk about how He lives inside of us. 
First John chapter four, first John chapter four, twelve through sixteen. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Three, four, four times in those verses right there, it talks about how God dwells in us. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. You'll know these verses. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Again, over and over, these verses talking about how the Holy Spirit of God literally lives inside of us, and we are the temple of God. He lives inside of us. That's where He is. You know, when Jesus ascended into heaven, God sent the Holy Spirit, as the Bible says, to dwell with His people. And as long as Jesus was on the earth, He was the light of the world. Jesus Christ was. But now that He is not on the face of this earth, in physical form, like we think of Him as Jesus Christ the Savior, you and I are the light of the world. And we can do this. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us when we're saved. Without that, we could not be the light of the world. The Holy Spirit is, like I said, that third member of the Trinity. And that means then that we literally have God dwelling in us. Did you hear what I just said? Even those of us, preacher, even those of us who have been saved for a long time, but still, when I hear that, we have God dwelling in us. It just, in my mind, I'm shaking my head like I can't believe it. It just, it's hard to, to even comprehend, but that's what the Bible says. And that means here, we literally have God living inside of us. And since we have God dwelling inside of us in the form of the Holy Spirit, we must treat Him as an honored guest. Think about this. If Jesus were to walk into this building today, I think all of us would probably stand out of respect or maybe bow or whatever. You know, we we want to do something to show him respect. We want to do something to, to show him that we know who he is and we respect who he is and, and we love him and all of those types of things. If he were here uh, in physical form, we would want to do that. Now think about then how should we treat the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us? We ought to treat him as an honored guest. Our text verse here makes it very clear that we ought to be careful how we treat the Holy Spirit of God. Why is it more dangerous to speak against the Holy Ghost? Why is it? Why does the Bible say it that way? Why? Because He's the executive member of the Trinity. The executive does the business for the entire body. And we need the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives and do God's business in our lives. There are things that we can cause Him not to be able to perform in a way, not to be able to perform His business, which those are the things we need to avoid. The things that would cause Him not to be able to do that in our lives. There are also things that we must do in order for Him to be able to work. And I want us to learn some things this evening. How to treat that important member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit of God. So let me give you a few things here. Number one, I want to tell you this first. That the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can be grieved. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. That's a warning 
Telling us, don't, warning, not to grieve Him, not to do that. What does that mean? To make Him sorrowful, to make Him sad because of something we've done. Uh, what, what is it that, what grieves, what grieves Him? Well, look at Ephesians chapter 4, and you can turn your Bible there in verses 30 to 32. So let's look there, Ephesians chapter 4, 30 to 32. It tells us not to grieve Him. Well, what grieves Him? Ephesians chapter number 4. In verses 30 to 32 there. Again, verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Then it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then it says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So what is it then that grieves the Holy Spirit of God? Well, there's a list here. It says bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and malice. All those things put away from you. Right after it said, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Boy, I could spend a long time right here, but let me just give you this little illustration. There's a boy that wants to ask Dad... How do wars begin? How does that happen? How do people get to that point where wars begin? How do wars begin? Well, take the First World War, said the dad, the father. He says that got started when Germany invaded Belgium. Immediately, his wife interrupted him. Tell the boy the truth, she said. It began because somebody was murdered. The husband uh, then drew himself up and with an air of superiority, he kind of went like that and he snapped back. He says, are you answering the question or am I? Turning her back upon uh, upon him and, and it, sort of in a huff, you know, <clears throat> you know, she sort of turned around like that and walked out of the room, slammed the door as hard as she could. When the dishes stopped uh, uh, rattling in the cupboard and uh, uneasy silence followed, broke at length by the sun when he finally said, Daddy, you don't have to tell me anymore how wars start. I know now. <laughs> and, you know, you just think about how, you know, how quickly uh, that, that anger arose, how quickly you know, someone got offended, how quickly someone was saddened or angry or, or upset or whatever the case. And, and uh, you, know, you think it's kind of a silly illustration, but think about it. As the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And then it says here, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. There's definitely something there. The Bible is telling us that grieves the Holy Spirit of God. We know this, he can also be grieved by some wrongs. And by the way, I could spend a long time, and let me just say this, and I won't say much more, but I think one of the greatest sins that I find in, I'll just say Baptist churches, because that's pretty much all I know, churches like ours is that sin of bitterness. Holding on with an unforgiving spirit. You know, how many people do you know they left this church to go to that one and, and then they left that one to go to another one because they got offended. They got bitter. They got angry about something. Couldn't get it taken. Couldn't learn to forgive. Folks, we need to learn to forgive. And you say, well, preacher, I can't. You know, don't you, do you know what they did to me? And, and honestly, I'm not trying to make light, but I don't need to know. Because you want to know why? Because I know this. Jesus forgave me. He forgave me. And if He can forgive me, and He can forgive you and of all the things that we have done, what I pray so that I don't get offended, I say, 
please, dear Holy Spirit of God, help me to forgive others like you forgave me. And he forgave me with no strings attached. It wasn't, you know, I'll forgive you if you do this. Because here's what we do. I'll go ahead and forgive them as long as they tell me they're sorry. Isn't that the way we are? And the Bible doesn't say that though. Jesus didn't forgive us only because we said we're sorry. He forgave us unconditionally. And that's how we need to learn to forgive. And the only way to do that is through the Holy Spirit of God. Because you can't do it. In your human, your, your flesh, you're not going to be able to do it. You'll hold on to it. But in the Spirit, you can learn to do that. That's all I'll say about that. But boy, I'll tell you, there's, uh, that could preach for a long time. But you can also be grieved by other wrongs. For instance, wrong thoughts. Wrong thoughts enter everyone's mind. Sometimes you can't even help it. Wrong thoughts enter. You see a billboard. You, you hear something. You, you see something. And just wrong thoughts enter your mind. But it's what you do with those wrong thoughts once, once they enter that that can become sin and grieve the Holy Spirit of God. If we choose to dwell on those thoughts rather than dismiss them. I'll show you. In fact, turn your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 for just a moment. The Bible tells us what to do when those wrong thoughts enter our minds. And then I'll add to that and tell you, the Bible also tells us what our minds should think about. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 5. Actually, look at verse 3 here. We'll start in verse 3. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Then it says, Casting down imaginations, and those are thoughts. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When we have wrong thoughts, wrong imaginations, wrong things in our mind, we're supposed to cast those down, cast those away. We're supposed to dismiss them, get them out of our minds. And then we'll see we ought to replace them with the right things in our minds. And I'm not going to have you turn there, but you may know the passage of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. The Bible says, But finally, my brethren, what sort of things are pure and just and lovely and so on. It goes on, and, and, and those of good report. It says, Think on these things. One, one thing that I do, and this is why I always try to tell people, here's, here's what you do. You've got to think about things that are right. Dismiss those wrong thoughts and think about things that are right. Well, that's all fine and good, but how do I do that? I'll just tell you one simple way that I've done it, that I do it at times. And that is, if I start having the wrong thoughts and those things come into my mind, the first thing, and I, I, these guys know this because I've told them many times, but uh, one thing I do is I, I start singing songs, in particular about the blood of Jesus Christ. For instance, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I'll just sing that over and over and over again. And you, you know what I found happens? Pretty soon those wrong thoughts are gone. And I'm praising the Lord. Those types of things. So that's one way. I, I don't know how you do it. And that's whatever way you have, that's fine as well, I'm sure. But but that's one way I'll do it. Or uh, there's power in the blood, power in the blood, and I'll man, I'll just keep singing that until the wrong thoughts are gone. And and they do. They'll leave. 
Why? Because the devil cannot stand the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, those those wrong. Th- so you have to. And we're talking about how to treat the Holy Spirit of God. We don't want to grieve Him with wrong thoughts, with with those wrong things, with impure thoughts, or revengeful thoughts, or spiteful thoughts, wicked thoughts, evil thoughts. We want to get rid of those things. What about having a wrong spirit? A wrong spirit can grieve God, uh, the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, a critical, unforgiving, bitter, angry spirit. And boy, I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that have a real critical spirit. It seems like everything they see, well, I'll tell you what's wrong with that. They have to find something wrong with everybody and everything. Anybody know anybody? I better not. I don't want to give testimonies tonight. It seems like there's some people, they find something wrong with everybody. You know what I've found out about those types of people? They don't have a very high, high, high thoughts of themselves. So they've got to put everybody else down so they feel better. That grieves the Holy Spirit of having a wrong spirit. Luke chapter 9, 53 to 56, and it says, listen to what it says here. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. It says, when his disciples, James and John, saw this. So they were talking about Jesus. They wouldn't, they wouldn't receive Jesus. So the disciples, James and John, saw this. They said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? Can you imagine? Lord, help. Why don't we just call fire down and just zap everybody? Anybody that disagrees with us, let's just get rid of them. Look at what Jesus said. But he, that's Jesus, turned and rebuked them and said this, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And how often do we get mad at somebody? We're like, man, if I could just tune you. Where does that spirit come from? That is what grieves the Holy Spirit of God. That's what grieves the Holy Spirit of God. That wrong, critical spirit. Wrong attitudes, rebelliousness, resentfulness, selfishness. I read this. Listen to this. This is interesting. Leonard Holt was a paragon of respectability. He was a middle-aged, hard-working lab technician who had worked at the same Pennsylvania paper mill for 19 years. Having been a Boy Scout leader and affectionate father, a member of the local fire brigade, and a regular church attender, he was admired as a model in his community. Until that image exploded in a well-planned hour of bloodshed one brisk October morning. A proficient marksman, Leonard Holt, stuffed two pistols in his coat pockets and drove down to the mill where he worked. He stalked slowly into the shop and began shooting with with a calculated frenzy. He filled several co-workers with two or three bullets apiece, firing more than 30 shots, killing some men he had known for more than 15 years. When the posse found him standing defiantly in the doorway, he snarled, Come and get me, you blankety-blank. I'm not taking any of your blankety-blank anymore. And and of course, the, the community didn't know how to handle those things. They were shocked and puzzled. The policemen were puzzled about it. And the policemen and friends finally found a train of logic behind his brief reign of terror. Sown deep in the heart of Leonard Holt rumbled the giant of resentment. His monk-like exterior concealed the seething hatred within. The investigation yielded the following facts. Several of the victims that he shot had been promoted over him while he remained in the same position. More than one in Holt's carpool had quit riding with him due to his reckless driving. He was brimming with resentment and rage that could be held in no longer. 
And beneath uh, his picture in time, the caption told the story, Responsible, Respectful, and Resentful. You know, you hear about those types of stories, and that's what happens. We hold things in, and, and those types of things, and it begins to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You know, the Spirit can also be grieved by going where we should not go. For instance, the bar, the dance hall, the casino, the rock concert, the drinking party. We could go on and on and on. Places we should not go, we should not be a part of, uh, and so on. Those places are not the will of God. Think about this. If, 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 if we were like in the day that Jesus was, was alive with the disciples, can you imagine them taking Jesus to the bar? Come on, come on, Jesus. Have a seat on the bar stool here. Can you imagine them taking Jesus to the casino? Smoking a cigarette? Tossing? You know, whatever. Whatever they do at casinos, I don't know. But can you imagine? Can you imagine them taking them to the cinema or you know, whatever the case? Can you imagine them taking all the... Come on, Jesus, come on. I don't know, most of us would say, no, we'd never do that to the Savior. But yet we do it with the Holy Spirit of God every time, all the time, everywhere we go. We take Him with us. What I'm talking about today is how to treat the Holy Spirit of God. We've got to think about, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How should we, how should we handle Him? How should we treat Him? Uh, these are things we ought to be careful of. One way we ought to treat the Holy Spirit is like an honored guest we said. We don't want to grieve Him. We don't want to make Him sad. don't want to make Him sorrowful. We want to do everything we can to make the Holy Spirit of God happy and pleased. We know this, He can also be quenched. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 19, quench not the Spirit. Uh, we can, you know, think about it. How do you quench a fire? You throw dirt on it. You throw water on it. It puts the fire out. And we can quench a fire also by neglecting it. Ignoring the Spirit's leading in our lives, for instance. In our spiritual lives, we don't acknowledge His presence like we ought to. That's one thing I think as Baptists we need to work at. Realizing and acknowledging the leading of the Holy Spirit and His influence in our lives uh, and so on down the line and acknowledging that and, and, and so on. Not neglecting it. Neglect will put that fire out. We can quench the fire by pouring water or dirt on it. Like I said, we fill our hearts with, and our minds with worldly things. That's like pouring dirt or water on the fire. Wrong music, wrong movies, wrong TV, uh, and so on down the line. Things that are not necessarily wrong sometimes as well, but that they don't help us become more like Christ. Uh, we could talk all kinds. I'm going to skip over some things, but listen. this is It's like pouring dirt on the fire. Quenching the Holy Spirit of God. Disobedience quenches the Spirit of God. You know, sometimes the Spirit will prompt us to do something. For instance, maybe witness to somebody. Tell them about Jesus Christ. Tell them how the Lord changed my life. I don't know about you, but have you ever been there? I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but have you ever been there and the Lord almost says, you see that person over there? In your mind, you know, I'm not talking, but in your mind, this conversation sort of goes, the Holy Spirit says, you see that person over there? You look over there and say, "Mm mm-hmm. I want you to go talk to him about Jesus. Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm. You ever been there? Come on, be honest with me. Don't look at me like that. Yeah, I say one one honest person, the preacher. The only honest person. I know we've all been there. It, and it's not an audible voice, but sometimes it sure seems like it, doesn't it? And uh, and so you... Or sometimes you do it. But when you don't, when you disobey the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible says He is quenched. Failure to pray. 
Failure to witness, like we said, or to work for Jesus Christ quenches the Holy Spirit of God. He can be lied to. I'm not going to uh, go over a whole lot of this, but if you were to go to Acts chapter number 5, and uh, you find the story there of Ananias and Sapphira, and how they told the, the preacher, hey, I sold, we sold our property, we're going to give all the money to the church. So they came in that day and said, we sold it, preacher, here's all the money. The preacher said, is that really all the money? They said, mm-hmm. And he said, the preacher said, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit of God? You didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit of God and they died right there. You know what I'm talking about? It's a good thing God doesn't work that way today. So we'd have people dropping like flies because they didn't bring their tithe in that day or whatever. Yep, I paid my tithe, you know, and uh, you know those types of things. And uh, but uh, you know that's a whole other. But he can be grieved when we disobey him. That's one area, uh, and when we, or when we lie to him, he can be resisted. The Bible says in Acts seven fifty one, you stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did. So do ye. To resist is to oppose. When you think about it, to resist is to push back. The Holy Spirit says something and you push Him back. I'm resisting. I do not want Him to work in my life. That's what we do when we resist. It's to obstruct, to push back. Do not resist those trying to bring you to Christ. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. Don't resist that as the Holy Spirit of God tries to convict you. Don't resist those trying to help you become more like Christ as a preacher gets up and preaches and maybe he says something you don't like and instead of getting angry and resisting and pushing back, the right attitude would be, that's what the Bible says and that's what I need to do and yield to the Holy Spirit of God. And so often we resist. Boy, the preacher doesn't like... I've seen them right in the church service. You can see their necks stiff and will tell you what. I mean, and, and if looks could kill a preacher, you and I would be dead every Sunday, I think, probably. Yep. Why? Because of resisting the Holy Spirit of God. And I've had people say, did my wife talk to you? And I'm not kidding. I've had people say, did my wife talk to you? And I'm sitting there thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's called the Holy Spirit of God that pointed out whatever's in your life. When the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart through the preaching, don't resist. And sometimes we're so strong-willed. We don't want to make that decision. We don't want to yield uh, because we feel the preacher is telling us what to do. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Sometimes we need to realize it's not the preacher telling us what to do. It's the Holy Spirit trying to tell us what to do. Sometimes we don't make a decision because we're too concerned about what everybody else thinks rather than yielding to the Holy Spirit of God and being concerned about what He thinks. We also know this. I'm trying to hurry, but He can be blasphemed. Mark chapter 3, 28 and 29, the Bible says, Verily I say unto you, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he, shall, he that blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. It goes right along with the verse we read earlier. Can you imagine? Hath never forgiveness. Hath never forgiveness. Shall not be. Webster says that a bl- to blaspheme is to speak irreverently or impiously of or about. Taking his name in vain. 
saying Jesus or God is a curse word, those types of things. That's one way, uh, and so on. And of course, using it, like I said, a curse word and so on. But let me throw, that's the negative. Let me give you some positive here. What are we? How are we then to treat? We know what we, we should not do, but how, how are we to treat Him? Uh, we know this. We can obey Him. We can obey Him. And thank God, while some lie and some vex and some want to get revenge and some resist, there are also some that recognize. There are also some that reverence. There are also some that obey and yield to the Holy Spirit of God. I heard a preacher say a long time ago, obedience brings blessing, disobedience brings conflict. And boy, is that ever true. When we obey, this, this will mean salvation in heaven, of course, in the end, but to do otherwise means damnation in the end. When we don't listen to the Holy Spirit of God and we say no to salvation. The Holy Spirit takes up residence, as the Bible says, in you when you are saved. He becomes your house guest. He lives inside you. Therefore, we must be careful how we treat the gracious Holy Spirit of God. He's just as much God as Jesus is. He's just as much God as God the Father is. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. He could be described as... uh, Well, let me say this. That that old cartoon guy with the angel on the shoulder. You know, you ever seen that? The angel's on one shoulder and the sort of the devil-looking character's on the other shoulder. They're both whispering in the ear of the person what to do or what not to do. Sometimes it feels that way. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit of God on one side trying to whisper in your ear, hey, you need to do what God wants you to do. Then on the other side you have the flesh or or the devil trying to tell you, no, you need to do this, it's a lot more fun. Oh boy, I'll tell you, I go, uh, sometimes I wonder what the world, why the world thinks some of the things they do is so much fun. And I'll just give this illustration. I, I've given it off, and you've never heard it. These guys have, so you guys don't have to listen. But um, I remember when I first went to Toledo, Ohio, I was a youth pastor there for six years. And I first, when I first got there, they couldn't afford to pay, so I had to work full time job. I worked at a sporting goods store, and uh, the uh, the boss's daughter worked there as well. Her name was Kate, and uh, she wasn't saved. I was the only one there that was saved and knew the Lord. And uh, and they everywhere I worked outside of the church, they called me Rev. So these guys called me Rev. I worked at a pizza place one time. They called me Rev for short for Reverend. And and uh, so anyway, they 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 knew I was a Christian. I made that pretty clear to them. Well, one one day it was a Saturday morning. Um, I remember I came to work. Kate came to work it was about ten o'clock in the morning. And I go in the back room, and Kate is laying on the there's a table where we make the trophies and things and she was just laying on the table oh my stomach hurt oh you know and I heard her talking she started talking about last night I was out drinking with all my friends and I was at this bar and such and such a bar and she said I was I remember all I remember is I jumped up on the table and I was dancing she said and then that was the last thing I remember and here she's oh I'm sick to my stomach and she ended up having to go get sick more than once that morning and I thought to myself that day why does the world think that is so fun? Why does that think why do they think that's so fun? We think we're missing out when we do, don't do those things. Well the devil's got it all turned around in our minds doesn't he? I don't know about you but what I saw happen on Sunday when we saw 283 people come to our we saw 100 how many do we have in junior church today? 150? In junior church, now that's 
a lot more than we normally have in junior church. And, uh, man, can you imagine? Anyway, uh, trying to work with all those kids. and, and uh, But we saw over 20 people saved. That young lady get baptized. I mean, we saw... Uh, and and there, the Holy Spirit did a whole lot of other really neat things as well that, you know, you don't have a card for, those types of things. But, I mean, man, I'll tell you, now that's fun. And I don't have to go home and worry about the consequences. I don't have to get up the next morning and feel sick to my stomach. In fact, I felt pretty good the next morning. I was pretty excited about that. And that's what the Lord does. That's what the Lord does. You know, your, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Our goal ought to be to be filled with the Spirit. And I don't have time to go into that, but the Bible says we ought to be filled with the Spirit. What God chooses, He cleanses. What God cleanses, He molds. What God molds, He fills. What God fills, He uses. And that's what we need to be. The one that we let God cleanse, mold, and fill us with the Holy Spirit of God. What does that mean? That He has control. The Holy Spirit fills us and He has control. Instead of being filled with ourselves and our plans and our ideas and our goals and our desires, that changes. And it becomes, the Bible says, uh, you know, the, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. You know, you realize that's not our fruit. That's the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit living in us. And that's what comes out when He is in control. But the anger, the words back and forth, those types of things, that doesn't come from the Spirit of God. That's from our flesh. But boy, I'll tell you, those words of of peace and kindness and comfort and, and those types of things, that is the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we need by yielding and obeying the Holy Spirit of God. How to treat the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for this day. Lord, I thank You for this uh, wonderful time together with Liberty Baptist Church. And it's great to see the folks from Lighthouse Baptist Church here as well. And Twin Pines Baptist Church, three Baptist churches being able to get together, praise the Lord together, preach the Word of God together, agree on the Word of God together, and so on. Lord, it's a wonderful thing. I know Satan sure does not like it. God, I pray that we would just learn to continue to yield to You. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that we would allow You to have control, even now during this time of invitation. And we'll thank You. I'll turn it over to the preacher at this time.